0: Happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Coast to Coast. We're here again, bringing you back some more hot content, maybe some heated content, you might say. And we're not kidding. I hope everyone got those puns. Today, if you haven't noticed by the title, we're going to talk about the Miami Heat. We're going to talk about Luka Doncic, Jason Kidd, and the exciting, again, Dallas Mavericks. And against my own will here, we are going to get into ben simmons can you believe ronan it has been 100 days of simmons 100 days since ben simmons did not want to practice and doc said you know what i'm done and you know what i was done then too but i guess apparently we're not because here we are talking about it again ronan what's going on man how you doing
1: i'm doing good uh the simmons stuff man i, I don't know I, I can't believe it's gone on this long i i can i'm respecting that they are willing to wait to the summer now, but the, the fact that it's got this far at all is still just bewildering to me. But if it works out in the end, all, all, all I'm about is as long as Embiid's got a legit uh, star beside him, giving him the best shot at succeeding, that, that's what I, that's all I care about.
0: Yeah, so I'll, I'll delay eating our vegetables here first. So I, let's, let's talk about a couple of little things that have happened across the league. Um, this is my favorite thing that's happened to me this week. Um, a friend of mine the other day went to their first Celtics game. Very cool. Very cool. Um, and they said, <laughs> I quote, I never thought professional basketball players could be that bad. And if you didn't see the Celtics Kings game, um, just look at the score. Like th- there's no advanced analytics perspective. You need just look at the score. What, what was it? The, the Celtics were up by 55 points at one point yeah. against the Kings. Like, the product the Kings have just been putting out this year for a team that needs to make the playoffs, God, like, said best by a fan who had been to their first basketball game, I didn't know professional basketball players could see that.
1: Yeah, it just, it just sums up – it almost just sums up the Kings as a franchise, <laughs> really. It's just – it's it's it, it was pathetic. There's no, no two ways about it. One thing I will say about it is there was another high-scoring, efficient night from Jason Tatum. He did it again against the Wizards when he when he put up those fifty one points. I think Mm -hmm. he could be listening to the podcast, man. We were laying into him about his inefficient uh, the way he was, how inefficiently he was going about his scoring, and then since then he's had a few few big nights uh, with very efficient numbers. So maybe maybe he's listening.
0: Yeah, correlation fallacy goes a long way for us here. Um, That or just consistently completely wrong about everything. So (laughs) uh, moving on, Uh, another fun game, man. I. I, I love I love watching the Charlotte Hornets. Yeah, that is a fun team. The Hornets complete quite the revenge series this season after last year, lest you forget, the Pacers are the ones who kicked them out of the play in tournament, sent them home, sent them on vacation. And this year they've swept them and in quite a meaningful fashion. Now, let's be real. The Pacers are without Turner. They're without Sabonis. But they just look listless and the Hornets, man. When they get the chance to get out and run and gun, and Borrego said it best, he just told the guys, Let it fly tonight. And man, they let it fly. Bridges, Rosier, Ball, and Ubre all scored 20 or more. Like that was the best Kelly Ubre game I've seen in my life. He almost had 40 at 39 points on 12, 18. My life is four, triple, double, dude. That was just a, an unreal performance for them.
1: Yeah, I mean, 158 points is uh, is absolutely uh, outrageous. Obviously, it was a franch- franchise record uh, for her most points in a game, and I'd say it'll it'll probably be the most points put up by anyone this season because it was just outrageous. And that's what the Hornets are all about: fast, fun, attractive, offensive basketball. And it's kind of it's almost no surprise that they put up so, some outrageous score like this the way they've been playing all season.
0: Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I wonder, I haven't looked at the numbers yet. I'll I'll be, I wish that, that Sabonis and Turner got hurt in different, um, different times, but the Pacers are a completely different team without Turner to protect the rim. Like they, they just don't have anything there. And maybe this is a, you know, Turner hasn't made any demands yet, but maybe this is the Hornets, you know, uh try out for, for Turner like hey just make your way over here like that imagine imagine the Hornets getting a legit uh center in there like Turner that that would be interesting um I got one, one last tidbit here one last one last appetizer if you will before we get into the vegetables of Ben Simmons but uh I gotta give a shout out to you know the worst team statistically in the NBA the Orlando Magic um, cause a lot of what we're going to talk about today is, you know, we, we, took a look at some lineups, um, for both the Mavs and the heat, just to take a look at how they're performing across the league. To my surprise. Um, the magic, their, their lineup of Cole, Anthony, Gary Harris, Franz Wagner, who I've really fallen in love with as a rookie, um, really did not expect this from him this year. Uh, Wendell Carter, that's my boy from Chicago and Mo Bamba. They have a 12.8 net, net rating, 104.5 defensive rating in 97 minutes. That's that's a top 10, top 15 lineup that in the limited minutes that they've had. I mean, not even limited. They've had almost 100 minutes. You know, their whole team can't put it together. But that lineup itself, that's a that's a very good lineup. Very, very good. Franz Wagner is a legit lottery pick. And, you know, Suggs is pretty bad right now. He's had some flashes here and there, but they got some guys on that team. I'm interested in their talent moving forward. They've they've caught my eye, especially after they um, really did a number on the Bulls the other night. Um, they, they surprise me, they're impressive sometimes,
1: yeah. In general, kind of just by the, the general eye tests, when you look at the, the magic, you just think everything's going to hell with them, and it's, it's another, another dark day for Orlando, uh, another dark season, I should say, for Orlando. But there's little things like this that, that show that there is potential there. There's they're just a player or two or, or a coach away from, from figuring it out. The, the talent is definitely there, it's just trying to put it all together in the right way actually bring success yeah
0: yeah and the, the general point of view I, I don't know about the the admiral point of view if you, if you look at them um dude I'm killing with puns yeah admiral Schofield
1: dude,
0: <laughs> if you, th- this guy I don't I've not really seen him play very often but he's a, a unit he's an absolute unit they, they've got some serious forwards there and they're they're not even at full strength um they, they're they're gonna be very Raptors-esque next year I think and We'll, we'll see what they get out of Cole Anthony as he continues to, to grow. Um, Gary Harris has surprisingly become out of nowhere just a productive player. Um, and that's a guy I have floated around a lot as a, as a trade guy. Keep an eye on him. $20 million. He's not just filler anymore. He's a productive player. Who knows if maybe there is a deal. Um, but all right. All right. And enough of, of all the delay. We'll get into the vegetables. Let's talk some Vincent. It's been 100 days. So, you texted me the other day raving about James Harden trade break it down for me it's been on the news it's been talked about it's been rumored what what do we what are we seeing here what's brewing
1: I mean Philadelphia are very confident that they can make a deal to convince James Harden to come to Philly this summer more Daryl Morey <laughs> is him and him and Harden obviously best buddies I think uh the CEO of the 76ers, uh, the team that own, own the 76ers, Harden has also got a, a strong relationship with him. I think he was the CEO of the Rockets back when uh, back when he, he was uh, playing there. And obviously, Harden, like Maury did everything for Harden. Maury did his whatever he could do to make Harden into one of the top players in the league, make him into the MVP level player, the scoring champ, everything, because he got the right coach for Harden's game. He built that whole team around James Harden so there's there's really good feelings between the two there but really it's all it comes down to Harden is interested in testing free agency but in reality he just wants to give himself the best chance at winning a title and that might not be in Brooklyn Brooklyn is not all it's cracked up to be for him it seems mainly because Kyrie has been Kyrie this year and Katie has unfortunately Harden as well. Last season, they're both battling injuries. We we haven't got a, a proper look at this Brooklyn team, and that's that's kind of frustrating. Harden just that just that little bit, and maybe if, if this year is it isn't going to go too well, he may he may look to go elsewhere. You have to think when you break down the money side of it, he's got his player option this year. He, he opts into that the best he's going to have a a four-year, $227.2 million extension, which would turn into a five-year, $274 million extension. And if he opts out, the max deal that he could get would be a four-year, $200 million contract. That's if he signs with another team. I think it, this is probably going to be the last big contract of James Harden's career. But at the same time, I think he might be willing to... To go elsewhere even though he's leaving 74 million dollars on the table he's still got a 200 million dollar contract and if it's if there's another situation that he has a better shot at winning a title I think yeah I think he, he really might consider and not saying that's definitely in Philly but it, it's definitely it's definitely on the table here and Maury thinks he can make it happen
0: yeah I mean Maury thinks he can make anything happen we've that's been abundantly clear um, and his motivation that it's to make it 100% clear like Philadelphia as an organization is Daryl Morey at this point and everything that he's doing is surrounded on his obsession with getting James Harden right now it feels like all the noise is pointing towards him Um, and you know you know there's also been other other offers out there which I'd love to talk about too but ju- just to focus in on this in particular um, one thing the money I-, I don't think any situation happens where Harden opts out and signs elsewhere because I just don't think he no one's going to just say no to $70 million. I think he would stay in, would stay in Brooklyn. There's no situation that's worth losing $70 million and also lines up with a team that's able to clear that cap outright. And, you know, it's it's already going to be a, a crazy effort for the 76ers to manage to sign and trade for him in the offseason. Um, and and that, that's a question for me. That all, all of these things point to an offseason move. Um, and it seems like the 76ers organization is okay with being patient and not pushing for a move that helps them this season. Um, and I, and I guess, you know, that, that makes a little bit more sense to me as opposed to what we discussed earlier. Cause in my head, I, I thought we were talking a imminent like trade deadline move here for Harden to go to the 76ers Simmons to go to Brooklyn. Um, and immediately that was a non-starter for me. Like, I, I don't see them doing that at all. You know, it, it doesn't seem like that's a move now, but let's just talk long-term, long-term. Simmons is 25, Harden is 32, and Sides of decline for Harden, as amazing as he's been. Um, his decline is definitely apparent. I don't think in four years he's going to be nearly the same player um, as opposed to guys like you've seen, like Chris Paul, um, LeBron. I mean, no one's LeBron, but um, Durant's 33, I mean Kyrie could pair with Simmons for, for a while. So in terms of longevity, the Nets do stand to gain in the long term here, for sure. Simmons gives them the defensive stalwart that any championship contender is like craving, craving. Like a guy like him, you know, when you got guys like Giannis, you got guys like Tatum, you got guys like Jimmy Butler, Zach Levine, all these guys who are perimeter stars. You gotta have a guy like Simmons. He's a cure all on defense. Um, and then when you got all these scrappy defenders behind him like Benbury, Bruce Brown, Kessler, Edwards, Claxton in the front court, like they could be a top five defense with Simmons for sure in the long term. I just think short term, you know, and, and this just this year right now, obviously not. And I think nobody's actually pushing for that. I'm realizing it's it's more the off season, but. There's also going to be a major retool. It's not just, okay, bring Ben Simmons in, now we're good. Like, you can't run him on the floor, and this might sound dumb, like you, you can't use guys like your Bruce Browns. You can't use guys like your DeAndre Bembrys. You can't make guys like Dayron Sharp look awesome. Kessel Evers look awesome. can't make those cutting guys, those guys who are great on defense that Everything they've done for the Nets this year can't really be done with Ben Simmons on the floor, and I think we've seen that. You have your shooters. I mean, it will look great alongside Patty Mills. Ben Simmons has been a leader and three-pointers created with his passing for years. But, I mean, I think we have to hone in, though. Like, what does Ben Simmons bring to that team on the floor and from a playmaking perspective? Because we know that on the ball, you know, he's never been that Giannis type. Like, we want him to be like that, but he's not been that. And I think the the dream role that people have for him at this point in his career is like a super Draymond role, off ball cutting, setting screens, being a smart passer, and the role like is that what the Nets want to do with Durant? Because it matters winning it right now. Like Nets win all in, dude. They they if Harden leaves, dude, like they traded four picks, four and then four pick swaps. They, they made a Paul. They made a Paul Pierce KG mortgage deal. Losing Harden would be insanity, honestly. And then to end up with Simmons on the other end of that, like they they traded for a championship, and they, I mean, they better get it with Harden. That's the way I see it.
1: Yeah, I think it, it'll be another another egg on face moment for for the Brooklyn Next, Uh if if something like this were to happen obviously it's still kind of speculation at the moment we need to make sure that that's clear one thing big thing as well for philly is they're going to have to clear between 61 and 65 million to add harden while taking zero back i, I never like to get into the specifics of money because even when it looks so bleak i think if teams really want to make a deal happen they they find a way to work it out uh when, when it comes to the money for the for the most part so I think something like that probably wouldn't be too much of a stumbling block, but they'd probably have to get the the Nets to agree to probably a Simmons and Tobias Harris sign and trade. That, that's probably a very likely deal that it has to be uh, has to be the two.
0: Hey, those hey the 76ers would be sending out picks to another team to absorb Harris. That would most likely be the, the machinations of a deal. Is, is Harris goes somewhere else? They, they absorb his contract. Hell, maybe <laughs> the Magic uh, take, take him back. Uh, maybe the Thunder take him back and get more picks somehow out of this. But it's it would be really, really interesting. Let, let's let's just close our eyes and and imagine right now James Harden in a pick and roll with Joel Embiid. That that's something. You know, Celtics fans talk all day long about how it will never make a move for Ben Simmons because they're not going to give him Jalen Brown. I can not going to give Jalen Brown to the team right next door who's contending with you. Do you really want to unlock pick and roll Joel Embiid? This dude has never, never had a competent, and don't talk to me Tyrese Maxey He's he's fine. He's a competent pick and roll player, but they have not had an elite pick and roll guard. Like James Harden, Joel Embiid has never had the chance just to set a hard pick, roll to the rim, and just get an easy bucket. All his buckets are so tough. That's why he's, he's scoring right now. We already mentioned. I mean, everyone's probably already seen at this point. He's scoring more than a point a minute. It's insane, and he's doing it all off of ISOs, double teams. I mean, dude, <laughs> the stuff he does as a center is just insane. But to give it to him easy like Harden would, that would be that would be insane. The, the the deal just from a perspective of what it would do for the 76s versus what it does for the Nets, the uh, the 76ers win that by a million miles because they unlock a major part of Embiid's game that has never been really unlocked. It's never been touched. That would that would be monumental.
1: That's that's the big thing. That's what you don't see like uh. Embiid has never had a player even close to Harding, never had a guy that like he could play in the pick and roll with like that. And also Harden's never played with a big guy as dominant as a Joel Embiid. So it would be, it will be great for, for both players. And especially the way that Harden's probably going to have to sort of transition his game. I think the way he, he wants to, because I think he's been frustrated with the fact that that Kyrie Irving isn't there to, take a bit of the scoring burden off him. I think he's happy kind of being the table setter more so than the scorer at this moment, but he's not really able to fully commit to that because of Kyrie only playing uh, road games, KD's injury now. But I think that's something that would definitely uh, benefit uh, the 76ers even more so. And that's that's all I want to see. I don't care where Ben Simmons goes. I just want... Joel Embiid to have an able star alongside him that gives him the best shot at competing as a 76er. The guy's in his prime the guy is absolutely unbelievable dominant now and that's probably given the, the 76ers a bit more of a cushion to not have to make a deal before the trade deadline, just his absolute dominations at the moment but they have to make something happen in the summer and they're still going to be looking at the likes of, uh, Beal and Lillard and others, but it seems hardens, hardens the, uh, the golden goose, the one they're going to be they're They're really going to be pushing for.
0: Yeah. Um, and I'll just mention this before I move on. I, I really, I, I don't think we're going to see a trade. I, I don't, I think it's going to happen in the summer. It's true. Um, but you see it from an Embiid perspective. I'm seeing it from a Simmons perspective. And I, I still really want to see him in a really good place. And I, I still love the idea of him going to the Hawks. I, I, the more I think about it, the more you see it. Um, if the Hawks are willing to give up picks and John Collins and I don't know where the pressure mounts from, but if, if the 76ers, if they're really starting to get more pressure to make a deal happen, if more needs to make a deal happen, you can't wait till the summer. Um, John Collins would be great. I mean, he'd be a great fit there in, in Philly. I think he'd be better than Harris um, with what, with what he does getting to the rim. I just want to see Trey young and Ben Simmons like that would be the, the yin and yang of the NBA in the same way and it's not to say the similar similar way that you see with the Warriors I mean we talk about how our vision of Ben Simmons is a Draymond Green type of role but like a super Draymond Green type of role man mm-hmm. and then you see all the similarities between Trey Young and Steph Curry um but what you don't see from Trey Young is the off-ball movement well I mean you get more of that once you get a playmaker like Simmons on that team that that's that's the one that really interests me and I think I think the Hawks have enough it just depends on what they're willing to give up and what this if if the 76ers are convincing themselves that hey you know this year maybe it's wide open maybe Kevin Durant's still hurt maybe Harden's still looking a little more injured and you're questioning, like, do we really, really want to invest long-term in this guy? Is he still going to be good? Are we really going to be making the most of his, his you know, the Joel Embiid's prime with an old James Harden? Maybe you opt for younger wings that fit Embiid, younger, uh, younger forward that fits Embiid, maybe. I, I don't know, but that that's that was my aside. I, I, I'd love to see that what as the say, is
1: that 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 sort of trade would definitely be a win for Atlanta and a win for Ben Simmons, but it doesn't bring back the uh, championship impact. I don't think uh, John Collins uh, coming to coming to Philadelphia, and that's what they want. They want a guy who's going to be impacting this team at a at a championship level. That's what the, that's what the 76ers keep on saying. Maury seems to have the support. Of uh, of the ownership to to let this go until the summer, but he's gonna have to make a, a big big deal happen then if he's gonna wait that long. But we'll, we'll, move, yeah, we'll move on. We'll move on. How would
0: Harden? How Harden uh, affect the Nets' championship chance last year?
1: Yeah, yeah, I don't know. But yeah, come on, come on, let's be real here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, all right, let, let's talk about the Miami Heat, man. Miami, the Mavs. We've they've been. I think not discussed this year. That is, that is our fault. I'm sorry, everybody. We, we should have. This is coast to coast. We, we've missed both of those coasts. I apologize. But, man, we, we had some legitimate questions entering the season with the Heat's depth. I mean, it, it's real. We weren't the only ones. Everyone really was. Um, and I seriously questioned if Jimmy Butler gets hurt, if Bam gets hurt, if, you know, even in the game when they're not on the floor, how are they going to survive? And when Bam and Jimmy went down, I was like, see ya. Yeah, they'll see you in the plane, maybe, as the East is heating up. Dude, I I mean, we think I think we all constantly underestimate Eric Spoelstra's ability as a coach. So we forget, 2017-18, when Spoelstra was handed Josh Richardson, Gorn Dragic, Dion Waiters, Hassan Whiteside, Kelly olinick and he put together a sixth seed. We forget that. Easily forget that. Let, let's let's just put this in perspective. From December first to January fourteenth, when Bam and Jimmy were out, these other guys plus Lowry, so it's Lowry, Robinson, Vincent, Tucker, Deadman, they had the third best net rating in the league. Twenty six point seven. They had the third best net rating in the league. They're top ten in true shooting and assist percentage. Did that. It, I, that had to be the best run this year so far. It, it, can I, can I list off some games here? So, Cause these, these, it's not like they just went out and beat like a bunch of Houston's and Sacramento's and stuff. Let's, let's just go through some of these games. They handed the Milwaukee's big three, one of their four losses. Giannis drew Chris Middleton have only lost four times this year as of today. And they beat them with Caleb Martin, KZ Paula and shoes combining for 54 points. They held Chicago to 92 points, and they scored 118 against them with the healthy Lonzo Ball and Caruso. They held the 76ers to 96 points and gave Embiid his worst performance of the season, 17 points on 5 of 13. They beat uh, Phoenix 123 to 100, and six players were in double figures. Robinson and Hero in that game, they were coming off the bench. Fantastic move from, uh, from Spo, and they combined for 50, 60 points on 57% field goal shooting. Now last, not least, we, we tweeted out about Atlanta. They have, this, they have the second best offense in the league. They held them to 91 points and trade a four of 15 shooting. They have absolutely balled out. They've been on absolute tear. And I love what D. Wade said the other day. Shaq is talking about, oh, we can't really evaluate some of these teams like the Lakers. That's nah, because they're hurt. And then Wade's like, what about the Heat? They've had nobody. They've they've not had Bam. They've not had Jimmy. And they are the best team in the East right now? Jaws on the floor, like how do I don't even know how to react to that. Like it, it's when you really take a look. I've not been paying enough attention, but now that I am, it's damn impressive. And all I gotta say is, we'll see what happens the rest of the season. But Eric Spoelstra to me right now, it's Coach of the Year, hands down.
1: Yeah, you you forget what a what a talented coach he is, but we almost we almost shouldn't be surprised at this stage. I mean. The Miami Heat, this is just going to be a quick quick little history lesson. The Miami Heat are, are in my opinion, the the best-run franchise in the NBA. The continued success that they've had since coming into the league has just been amazing. So they came in as expansion franchise in 1988. They've had one top three draft pick in that time. That was in 2008 with Michael Beasley, not even a guy who went on to really dominate for them or anything like that in that during that time they've had 22 playoff appearances in 33 seasons that's included wow. three championships six six finals appearances overall they've had 14 division titles 14 top 4 finishes just 10 losing seasons since, since coming into the nba and they've still had the likes of they've had lebron there winning mvps alonzo mourning winning defensive player of the year pat riley came in as a coach first Got coach of the year. The only reason that Heat team got stopped, uh, that, that dude called Michael Jordan or something like <laughs> that, I think he, he put an end to that. Then he goes upstairs. He gets executive of the year 2011. This guy has just been unbelievable. He, he was plucked out of nowhere as well. And then they get a guy like Spolstra, who started in the video room, worked his way up. That just shows that the guy, these, the Miami Heat, their whole organization is just about hard work, putting that effort in and just getting the right people in the right places. So we shouldn't be surprised that they're having success, despite the fact that Jimmy Butler has missed 18 games. Bam has missed 25 games. Even Lowry and Hero both missed miss nine games each. And yet this team is still 31 and 17 and sitting atop of the Eastern Conference. It's 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 just, it's it's so, so impressive. And you mentioned the. Uh, coach Smosha for, for coach of the year I mean you look at them the stats third in offensive rating seventh in defensive rating and they have the fifth best net rating at plus 4.9 this team is, is is always such a competitor and they always do it the right way with with kind of that, that little bit of everything and and their main man Jimmy Butler just epitomizes all, all of that
0: yeah uh, yeah I I, I want to go more in, into this uh into what they're doing this season and all their guys here. Uh you mentioned uh their standings there. Another interesting thing here, um they're fifth in scoring margin, fifth in the league. Um, so they are pretty healthily killing teams every night. And I their defense it's surprised me their defensive rating wasn't higher. Um because they
1: the, the injuries have made for, 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 yeah for, for
0: sure. Uh, but they have a mediocre volume in scoring. They're, they're 15th in points per game. They just have an uh, ability to stifle teams because they aren't really outscoring you like crazy, but they are just holding you to nothing. That's what gives them the, the fifth highest scoring margin. Um, but when, when we look at their success, you know, maybe you're like, OK, Kyle Lowry's there. He's, he's probably balling out, right? That's, that's probably what it is. Kyle Lowry is having his worst scoring season in a decade, only scoring 13.4 points per game. And he's shooting 32.7% from three. Um, I'll still give him credit at, at his age and his loss of, you know, maybe he hasn't lost his athleticism, but feels like it. He's still lethal again about he's shooting 65% in the paint. I mean, that's, and he's facilitating an elite level. He's second to CP three right now. in uh assists ratio, um, but it's not him. And, you know, all right, maybe Duncan Robinson is just like shooting the lights on now. Maybe all of a sudden, like, we're not noticing, uh, no, still having a down year. He's only shooting 36.6% from three on the same volume. It's these other guys. And it's the way Spolstra is, like, has operated. Give, put them in the right positions, allowed them to play to their strength, and really had has them playing confidently. Like These guys look confident on the floor. They don't look like... I don't know, like Omer Yurtseven. He doesn't look like a guy you just pulled straight out of Turkey. He looks like he's been in the league for, for 10 years and has just given you a 10 and 10 performance like whenever you decide to give him 15 minutes of play. Vijay Tucker, for example, he's had such a renaissance. Uh, he's taking 90% of his shots from the corners. He's, they've really copied and pasted that Houston Rockets model. And he's hitting 46.5% of those. It's a really, really good corner three-point shooter right now. And, you know, in the same way that Duncan Robinson was like this surprise impact player out of nowhere, Spo has developed guys like Gabe Vincent, Caleb Martin, Max Struess, Omar Yurtsevin. I think most people don't even know those names. Don't even know those names. Like, can we just give the most improved player award to this entire squad? Because I'm gonna I'm I'm go through what they've what they've done from last year to next. Max Struess, 11.3 points per game. That's plus 5.2 from last year. 40% from three, that's plus 6% from last year. Martin, 9.5 points per game, plus 4.5 from last year. 37.5% from three, plus 12.7% from last year. Vincent, nine points per game, plus five from last year, shooting 38% from three. I want to say that was plus six from last year. And Omer, Omer in I don't have any stats because dude came straight out of Turkey. And you played him, and he was just an insane rebounding machine. Um, and for a couple of these veterans, PJ has actually been a negative value over a replacement player the past three seasons, and same with Dwayne Dedman until both of them came to Miami. Spohs just turned all these guys into an elite functioning machine, and that's all i got to say. Mic drop. Like, Spohs is the coach of the year for me, hands down.
1: Yeah, it's unbelievable. As as the great Phil Jackson said you're only as strong as your weakest link, and uh, I think uh, that's something that uh, Miami uh, t- lives by here. Because uh, all these guys we thought were going to be weak links are, are really are really stepping up in a big way. And I mean, one thing I will say about Duncan Robinson is he's really kind of. I know he's having a down year overall in terms of uh, t- terms of scoring, but he's kind of being the guy that they needed him to be. He's being that that three that three and D guy, and when he does go off, it brings success. The ten games where he scored twenty plus, the Miami Heat are ten and zero. So when he when he goes off, they the team. The team are already behind it, and I think coming into this year, we were questioning the depth. We were questioning different things. One big question we were all having was, what was Hero going to be like in his third year? Yeah. He came out as a rookie, and we were like, okay, this guy's there's some serious talent here. His second year was a bit of a bit of a disaster, but. They got Larry in, which allowed Hero to be able to be coming off the bench, and he's looking like that talented guy that we saw in his rookie year. He's he's really he's really putting up and showing out, uh, averaging twenty point seven points, four point nine boards, four assists, shooting thirty nine percent from three. And there, that it's kind of similar to um to, to Van Fleet. Like he he's shooting, he's not shooting a lot of uh, like catch catch and shoot. He, he's he's shooting off the dribble and stuff like that, oh, yeah. which makes it. Even more impressive, and he and he's covering that 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 drop in scoring that uh, that Larry is having, and that's another. It was just another smart move from from the Heat. I'm not saying they got Larry just to just to help Hero, but it's uh, it's definitely given him kind of a new lease uh, on it on his role in this Miami Heat team. Yeah,
0: it's it's gone just like the Heat in general has gone unnoticed. Um, he's not got enough credit because he is a. Bonafide 20 point per game score off the bench. And that's not nothing to scoff at. That's, that's impressive. Yeah. Incredibly impressive. I, I wonder, you know, what, what's his, what's his scope? Where, where does he go from here? Is, is this, is this all he'll do? Um, is, is he just going to be a, a bench microwave score type of guy? Um, or can he take it further? You know, he, he's really honed in on being an efficient scorer. Um, his true shooting has gone up, um, from his rookie year to his sophomore year. And it's pretty much stayed the same despite his usage going up tremendously. Mm. Um, just giving him more touches has led to the heat getting more offense. And that's something that they've really, really needed without, uh, Bam and Jimmy there, but with Bam and Jimmy, there healthy. And maybe with Kyle Lowry on the decline over the next few years. Um, I wonder if, if he has another gear to get into to be more of a playmaker because as a scorer man he's proven it I think he's proven it you know he can he had a down year last year and we talked about it how that sophomore year is tough you got figured out your your uh, rookie year teams know who you are teams know what you're gonna do and he's proven that he's got more of a game this year he's got a more complete scoring package but yeah (laughs) it's it's been exciting to see him be developed and he's not got enough uh not good enough noise for most improved. You know, he won't. I don't think he'll win it, given how how competitive it is this year. But he certainly is deserving of votes for it.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. He's he's definitely got to be in the conversation. And in terms of his what kind of his uh, his scope is, I I would have to think that the the hope in Miami is that by the time Larry is uh, probably uh, retiring, I think what what they get Larry for was it two or three three years
0: three sixty.
1: Yeah. So I guess 60. they have to hope that by the time Larry's on the out hero is then in the position to really take over and be, be the new, uh, be the new playmaker and scoring guard, maybe the similar to D Wade, you know?
0: Let's, let's not go crazy here. Ronnie. <laughs> All right. Um, we, we said we talked about their best lineup, Lowry, Robinson, Butler, PJ Tucker at <laughs> This is a crazy number their defensive rating is 96.5 offensive rating 105.1 good okay but their defensive rating that's that's disgusting mm-hmm. that is that is unholy and when you look at that lineup and you look how they've performed uh, over the course of the year this isn't a lot of hypothetical we can we can make these statements is this the most complete two-way starting lineup in the playoffs Maybe you have to think about it. You have to think about it. Um, they, they have three sources of playmaking Lowry, Butler, Adebayo. They have an elite. I mean, I, I will call PJ Tucker an elite corner shooter. He is. Facts. They have mid range scoring galore. They have defense at every position. They can switch anything if they want. They can play any defensive scheme they want against anybody. Um, complained about size. Well, Look at how Embiid has done. Look at how Giannis has done. They have defended them pretty damn well. And now what they've done over this past month is proven, hey, we've got depth. We've got elite depth. So you've got elite depth. They've got a complete lineup, starting lineup that you can't really game for on the, uh, on the defensive end. Why are they not the favorites to come out of the East?
1: I don't know is it I guess I guess it's just a feeling that they the different injuries that to, to some of their stars the fact people unfortunately people are just always going to look at the likes of oh it's always going to go to Brooklyn Brooklyn are the star ticket that's what everyone's going to be looking at and they're like oh if if we were actually seeing the real Brooklyn here they'd be they'd be the top seed with, with ease even the Bulls as well they're starting the fact that that this is the kind of the breakthrough year for them, and everything the Cavs have done, and the Heat had just kind of slipped right under the radar. I think that that that's the way the way that it's gone. I think they've got into this position from the seven and three run that they've uh, been on over the last ten games. I think it's just just a question of, of getting in under the radar, and they're not they're they're just not the hot ticket. That that's just the way it is. It took took us this long to to really notice them and talk about them. So you know, I'll, I'll give
0: myself credit. We we did talk about it like three four weeks ago. But we finally get out in air, so we're we're not we're very late, but we're not this late at least. <laughs> um, but one one last part about the heat, you know, we, we've been underestimating them, as you said. Are, are we underestimating Victor Oladipo? May, th- this sounds crazy to me, but like the his last healthy stretch of basketball, it's a long time ago. But he's averaged twenty one five and five with the Rockets. Uh, what does he do for this team? Does does he? Does he add kind of that X factor, like over the top bench role or can a bench guy even take you over the top? I don't know. But they seem to have already so many great role players that have appeared out of nowhere. And then to add a Victor Oladipo to this, that's that. I wonder I wonder what that'll do in terms of their solidifying their top two position in the East and as a true contender. If anything, yeah, maybe I'm overreacting.
1: Yeah, it's, it's so hard to know what sort of level he's going to be at. Like it's so it's hard to remember the last time that he was playing consistently. But I, I just think back to the, the the Pacers days with Aladipo, and this this guy is, is mega 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 talented. He should be a a, a starting guard in a team, but unfortunately injuries have have put that that sort of uh, that sort of dream to bed almost. But. Uh, I definitely think if he comes back with any sort of health and any sort of shape, he can definitely be a big impact player on, on the Miami Heat team. Do we know, do we know when he's going to be back?
0: Um, so you, you've seen him, you've seen him ramping up his workouts. And of course, you'd say that about a lot of people yeah. now, but, but to, to see the, the Heat press put out some noise about him, you know, signals that a return is possible uh, in the next coming months. But I think of I think of him as um, emergency playmaking. If if you have him and Tyler Hero, that that just adds another player you can put. Give him the ball and let him go to work. Allow these shooters to roam and and you know I I still think that that Oladipo if if he can capture eighty percent of what he was. I mean he he's still he's still a good dribble penetrator. He's still hopefully athletic enough to just collapse the defense and do all that. But um, but yeah, we have, we've gone on far far enough about the heat. But I, I, was, I suspect it. Check, <laughs> <laughs> it won't be the last time we talk about them. But another team we got to get to that has also a little bit gone under the radar um, is our Dallas Mavericks, our beloved Luka Doncic, and I, I think it was kind of a point of of shame for me. You know, I, I really pushed the Mavs. I was, ride, I was riding that high last year, last few years. And I thought, look, nuggets are hurt. Who, who knows? The Suns are still going to be good. I think the Lakers suck. Clippers, they're, Kawhi's injured. Like, this is, this is Luka's Western Conference. So let, Let's see what he can do. And then they just had such a bad, bad start. Such a mediocre start. And since December, and they've really picked it up. Really picked it up. I mean, what, what, what have you seen here? Are we... Are we seeing them round into form? Are they starting to finally figure things out?
1: Yeah, I mean you gotta give you gotta give re- big respect to uh, to Jason Kidd uh, uh, on the whole thing. So obviously, they're they're fifth in the West, twenty eight and twenty one. They're it's basically between them and ja- them and the Jazz. They're the two that are in the battle for for the four, fourth place in the Western Conference, and I think they can they can certainly challenge the way they're going. Obviously, they're eleven and three since Luca came back. Uh, that was the first game of January he returned. They've beaten the likes of the Nuggets, the Warriors, the Bulls. They've beaten the Grizzlies twice in in that time. The big change that's come with this team, which is a little bit surprising, is the the change in the defense. They are currently number five in defensive rating. And last, uh, to put that in perspective, last season they finished with the 20th uh, best defensive rating in the league. They've got a solid net rating, plus 2.4. That's ninth in the league. Their offensive rating has dropped from where they finished last year, which was 9th to twenty-first. So the changes are there, but I think Kidd has come in and said we got to get better defensively, and then we can unlock the real offensive potential of this team. They still haven't got the right roster to truly get the best out of out of Luca and to get the, to give him kind of the best chance at, at driving a team to uh, to championship level. They still have to make changes, but he's done the right thing. He's got the team to become a better defensive unit. He's even got Luca playing some defense, which is uh, which is pretty big for him. I don't, when not...
0: when he's not heaving, when he's not like huffing yeah, and
1: puffing, like when, 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 I'm not saying he's gonna be on any all defensive teams anytime soon. But he's playing. He's, yeah. he's actually playing some defense, and that that's actually big for him, considering what he's uh, what he's been like uh, the last the last few years. But it's um. It's an interesting change and one that you didn't see coming because I think what everyone was saying was Kidd was like the offensive spark uh, as an assistant in LA. But now he's come into this Dallas team and he's made it all about defense. So uh, respect to Jason Kidd. he, he he's, done, he's done the smart thing for this Dallas team. They're not in any rush to really be a contender. It's been a disappointing year for Luca probably overall. I think we were expecting him to really take over be right up there at the MVP race. He's not quite there. He's still having a big year, but definitely respect. Got to go to Jason Kidd.
0: Yeah. Um, man. I mean, they, they weren't, they weren't kidding. When they're talking about getting better on defense.
1: Contend on Sorry. that. Sorry. I had, I had but
0: <laughs> you, you mentioned it there. You already, you already covered the defense, um, but the passing too, you know, the, the offensive rating has gone down and you know, you have the ninth best offensive rating when you give the ball to Luca and you let him run 100 pick and rolls until he finds open man because he will he will um so that's really like that's that's the ninth best with just giving it to Luca. but I think the qu- bigger question was how do you form a championship team with Luca? and I think the realization was you know you can't ju- and the same thing with James Harden you can't just have everything run through Luca because what do you do without him and they've done a lot better. Um, J- Jalen Brunson has had a great year. You, you've really seen them empower him as a secondary playmaker. Um, you've seen how much better they are, more fluid and engaged, um, passing the ball. And, and this is a huge thing on court. You know, players are more engaged when they're touching the ball, when, when they're getting touches on offense. You know, they're they more willing to engage offensively. And I think that's that's probably a big part too. That, that's that's a players' coach approach, maybe. You know, that instead of. Instead of just funneling everything into this Luca machine, I think Jason Kidd realizes, you know, as a player, you need to be engaged on both ends of the ball. Like it, a lot of guys are not going to, you know, care to, you know, lock down defensively if they're not even going to touch the ball. And then get night in, night out, you're just relying on Luca hitting a million step back threes and running a million pick and rolls. And what they did is last year, they were. 23rd passes made 25th in assists this year. They're 10th in passes made sixth in assists. So they still have a lot of things running through Luca which you have to have. I mean, it's great, but that's no minor improvement. You can see it on the floor. You can see how much more the ball moves around. It's a lot more fluid and teams have to worry about more than just shutting down Luca. They have to worry about, um, Brunson. They have to worry about THJ. They got to worry, worry about even, I think Powell has been good this year. They've yeah. they've had they've had the best lineup here with Luca, Brunson, um, THJ, Dorian Finney Smith, and Powell. And they have a 12.3 net rating, 62% true shooting. That's fantastic. Mm. And it's a shame. It's an absolute shame that um Tim Hardaway Jr. is gonna he's probably gonna be out for the rest of the season. He broke his uh pinky toes metatarsal yeah. uh, which is actually the same bone that zion injured and look how long it's taking him uh, obviously divide that by two
1: for <laughs>
0: someone of of normal basketball body stature but it, it seems like they might have lost him for the the rest of the season potentially um but i i think what, what i'm getting at though is this doesn't seem to me like a year where they're contending necessarily, but it's it's a new chapter and an evolution of what a good Luca Doncic team will be like. But I, I think I love the fact that it's you know it's coming from the development of Jason Kidd as a head coach. Yeah, and we had legitimate concerns about him in the beginning of the year. I, I I will not take back the fact that, you know, character off the floor is is, is maligned and maybe that's unfair. Who knows? Um, and the stories about him in the locker room for the Bucks, maybe that's just old news. Because big picture is is the things he's saying. He's saying the right things. And one thing I really liked, um, he had a great quote before the recent Raptors game. They were talking about their last game against uh, OKC when they were dealing with a zero to seventeen run, and he said, "Big picture." I'm paraphrasing. Big picture is about having all the answers for the playoffs. There's got to be growth. Earlier in the year, there would have been a meltdown and that shows growth. And what he did there is he put Josh Green instead of Porzingis. Rick Harlow would have ran right through Porzingis, would not have put the rookie. Uh, it's Josh Green, I'm forgetting now. He's a, uh, no, he's a, uh, this is his second year. Josh Green is yeah, it's sec- it's second his second year, year. Um, which is important. You know, number one, they've, and Josh Green, I want to get to him here now. He's um, a name maybe not a lot of people know, and that's a problem. He's their only young talent. He's gotten more run here. Jason Kidd has tested him and he's trying to get more out of these guys. Jason Kidd is trying to develop these guys. And that's something that he's not known for. And it's really important here because if Josh Green's emergence as a solid player, as, as a young solid player is real, that does a lot for the Mavs here. And he's shown flashes as a cutter and a passer and now scoring. It's incredibly important for a couple of reasons right now. The Mavs have zero draft capital. They cannot trade a pick until 2025. And they they don't have any other assets. Like Brunson right now, he's too good to trade, I think. And everyone else is, you know, meh, solid. Okay. Um, but Green, if he plays his way into the likes of an intriguing, young, good player who another team can convince himself will get better, you know, or maybe he's a replacement to Jalen. That that just gives the Mavs more options because really without a guy like him playing well they don't have a lot of room to make any moves at all
1: yeah they're they're in a they're in a bit of a difficult spot there and i think this is kind of the the year i think kid is really accepting that they're they're kind of they're kind of stuck with porzingis it's, it's kind of that that <laughs> yeah. sort of situation it, it was it was right for them to take the, the the shot when they did unfortunately it has not worked out and now they're just uh, they're a little bit kind of stuck with him. He can still reduce slightly, but he's not doing anything close to what they 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 had an idea when he uh, when he was when he was originally brought in. So yeah, it's 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 a tough one for Dallas. I feel like when they get to the playoffs this year, they're probably they're still going to be relying on 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 huge uh, performances from Luca to 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 really uh, make an impact uh, in the postseason, but. At the same time, they won't have to go. But I don't think they'll have to to face a, a Kawhi, Paul George, Clippers team this year. So uh, maybe,
0: shame. maybe,
1: Maybe they got a shot of uh, of uh, of getting through uh, getting through at least the first round. Uh,
0: it would be, it, it's going to be interesting for um, teams like the Grizzlies, teams like the Mavs, because you know ultimately maybe they they end up facing a first round matchup with the likes of jokic or lebron um the latter of which would not be a fun first round matchup but i mean we did say that last year at the suns and see what happened um i'll, I'll talk with luca real quick um uh, is his athleticism an issue is his lack of conditioning an issue do you think
1: i still feel that it, it is a bit of an issue but at the same time I've probably exaggerated it at times when I when I've been speaking about it, but there's still he he could still definitely put in that that little bit more work t- to be to be a little bit fitter, a li- a, a little bit stronger, and, and a little bit more able to to give it everything while he's on the floor on both ends.
0: Yeah, all I can think about when I when I ask that question is the meme of him over the summer smoking a hookah and laughing. It's just double chin, just all over the place. <laughs> and then of course Celtics fans are I, I don't even know where that comes from just whenever Luca gets invoked Celtics fans just appear out of nowhere to to post Jason Tatum um, and I'm getting on a tangent here I, I don't know why but let me ask you a question a follow-up question to that how many dunks does Luca have this season do you know no idea if you had to guess how many dunks did you say
1: I don't know what, what spectrum I should be going here. Are we talking like, I don't know, like 100? I don't know.
0: He has 99 less than that. He has one dunk yeah. this entire season. I, I thought that was I, – I, I saw it and I was like, all right, that's a big mistake. I, I double-checked, checked another. He has one dunk. He's one for two on dunks this season.
1: Jeez, that's mad.
0: And then then I started looking at – um at other things in terms of athleticism. So shots at the rim went from 26% two years ago, to 18% last year to 11.8% this year. Okay, maybe chalk that up to, he's getting more in the in-between game. Maybe he's more dude getting to his floater. He's been better at that recently, shooting more from three, sure. Free throw rate, which is huge. has went from 44.8% to 35% to then 26% this year. Is that just a product of them giving less calls this year? Maybe. But it's a trend I don't like for a guy who's really good at getting the line, really crafty at getting in the paint. I mean, his, his game is predicated on him, you know, going ISO and destroying guys, getting past him, getting in the paint. And then you got to double him, got to collapse the defense. You got to bring help. And then that's when him as an elite, elite passer an otherworldly passer starts to do all these crazy things. If he's not doing that. And he's just relying on step backs. He's just relying in his mid range game. He's gone away from that a little bit, which is good. If he's not doing that, is is his elite offense kind of muted a bit? Is that when he goes from a thirty point per game score to twenty five point per game score, which he's doing right now? Um, I I think my answer to that is Luca's athleticism an issue. Hundred percent. Mm. You kind of see it. I right? is he's, he's never had the craziest first step, but his ability to be at least an average athlete with his craftiness with his ability to predict what people are going to do was how he was just cooking everybody and you don't 100% see that as much anymore
1: yeah yeah there's different things obviously the olympics and different stuff they were kind of the reasons that they're given for why we've seen We've kind of really noticed it this year, and I think they got
0: buffets at the Olympics. Like, yeah, should yeah, he be in more shape if yeah, he was know, playing in the I Olympics?
1: Know. I mean, you're just it, it, that's going to come down. I think the franchise has got to have got to get around him and do do it in the right way. You can't just say, okay, get in shape or your or your or, or you're gone or something stupid like that. But if this guy wants to to really exercise his max his max potential. Which is uh, I don't know crazy sky high. They gotta they gotta find a way to get it through to him. But yeah, he's gonna have to just wait for those few weeks in the in the summertime or that where where he's eating his cheeseburgers and, and different <laughs> things like that. He's gotta be in better shape when the basketball season is on. I know it's tough. It's it's a, it's, it's a long all season, but if he is going to be the player that he is capable of being, that's what that's what he's got to do.
0: Yeah, but do they eat cheeseburgers in Slovenia? Like, what's what's a Slovenian specialty? Like, we yeah, we're, really. we're researching too many things and not knowing what Slovenian cuisine. Yeah, is I, like. don't,
1: I don't know if it's a Slovenian stuff. I think it's coming to America and uh, eating that, that barbecue, uh, that you, Dallas you know, that, barbecue. That American uh, food, I think is uh, I think it's what's doing him in.
0: Listen, man, if I was in the South, I I my not that I have athleticism, but <laughs> if, if I had any, it would be gone. Man, allow me some barbecue. If if you, if you ever make your way out here to. Uh, to to America, right? we, we got to get get ourselves some uh, barbecue. Meet you off yeah, in Dallas.
1: I, I can do that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, I'll I'll finish the, this question um, in in light of the the trade season we're in right now. With you know Tim Hardaway Jr. injured and Jalen Brunson playing so well, Darren Finney Smith um, playing much better right now. There's a lot of interest from the Pistons on Jalen Brunson would you consider now that Brunson and DFS are both unrestricted free agents after the season and hollinger's predictions of player salaries has Brunson making 20 million a year next year just under 357 is prediction would you trade Brunson and Dory finney Smith for Jeremy Grant
1: it's Tough to say with the, especially the impact that that Brunson's having and and the role that he plays yeah. within this Dallas team, but you have to think if, if an opportunity like that was legitimate on the cards. I think you might you might take it uh, if you're the Dallas Mavericks. Yeah,
0: I think Jeremy Grant would love that too. Uh, you know, Luca has is always going to be number one, but. Out of all these trade scenarios, Jeremy Grant gets to be bona fide number two.
1: Hmm.
0: Chris Epps is not number two. And I think we, we know that. Chris Epps needs to be the third, fourth best player. He's an overpaid third fourth. We need to get over how much he's paid. Yeah. He's going to be the third or fourth. Jeremy Grant gets to be number two. And Grant has shown that he's been better off the bounce. He's been better off the dribble. He's a playmaker. Maybe not a number one. Maybe not number two. But if Doncic is the number one, maybe he can be a number two.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think uh, don't. Uh, let's be real here. Any player that comes into Dallas, Luke is going to make you a better player, where, with, with his athleticism or not. He's going to, he's going to, he's going <laughs> to yeah. be. He's got the ability yeah. to make you into a better player.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, we we, we managed to to get in our time here. I, I don't I don't think I went over. Look at me. We didn't even go over an hour. front of myself. I don't think I did, unless I'm counting incorrectly, but. We, we've covered the heat, we've given them their respect, we've covered the maths. we've given them their respect, we've talked about Ben Simmons, that's fine, hopefully we don't have to do it again, unless he's traded to the Hawks, that's it, and we'll only talk about Ben Simmons again if he's traded to the Hawks, but as always, running. it's good, good talking to you, do you have any previews, Any anything coming up, anything we gotta throw out there before we head off?
1: No, same old, same old. The Knicks still suck. Uh, it's,
0: but you're wearing Knicks paraphernalia right now. I'm so proud of you.
1: I am doing it. I'm, I'm doing it out of. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what's made what's what's drawn me to this, but it's uh, it's the way it is. But... It was your.
0: It was your la- you haven't done laundry in, in
1: days. <laughs> it's just the
0: last thing you had. You had to wear it.
1: <laughs> uh, I got to give them something. Got to give them some sort of support in some way. But uh, watching them, no, no, not none of that.
0: And and no no I need I need you to end on your Cam Reddish impression. Is he going to save the next or what?
1: No. The <laughs> <laughs> tips play
0: him five minutes really.
1: Uh, the first the first game he played was was five minutes. Uh, then he didn't play the game after that, and then he got. I'm not sure how many minutes he got last night. I wasn't watching, anyways. <laughs> he, in fairness to Tibbs, he said that before. He's like, I got a rotation that I like. It's going to be tough for anyone to kind of come in. Not not that it's working <laughs> particularly well or anything like that, but. That is yeah. such a Tibbs
0: thing to it's say. So it's just uh, uh, it's just so Tibbs. Uh, until
1: uh, until something happens. I don't know. Uh, it's still <laughs> early days for Reddish. Hopefully, he can he can really show his stuff uh, uh, as the season uh, okay. goes on. But yeah, yeah dark days do, do in you, New York.
0: Do you have a good Tibbs impersonation? I, mean, I, I don't know if I have a good one, but I, I, I
1: definitely do have don't have one? a good one. You don't? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Rotation's playing really good right now. In you know, over five hundred, by the like way, you gotta keep playing. <laughs> Typical tips. Typical tips. Don't don't play any of your young. Guys. This is this is my. I I want to end with this. The Knicks need to dump dump all your good contracts. Dump them all and play your young guys. Play Reddish. Play McBride. Play uh what what's his face? Play play quickly. Play play the who's the other young guy? I, I like your young guys. Uh not not just Obi the other guard, McBride and uh.
1: Oh man, uh, uh, man, 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 man. Oh my God.
0: Come on, Mr. Next. Come on, Mr. Next. <laughs> his name, Tom his Chris. name is
1: deceiving me right now. I can literally, I can picture him in my head, but I can't. You know
0: why you name don't know his name, Ronan? Because he doesn't play enough. Because He doesn't play enough because yeah, Tibbs doesn't yeah, right. care to play people that will actually maybe matter one day, but blow it up to sell, sell all your Alec Burks and your New Orleans and, and let these young guys play. I think they got some potential, but Anyways, I'll, we'll, I will it'll on... happen
1: with Tibbs, unfortunately, but yeah. yeah, it'd be nice. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll
0: end on realizing that Randall will just play 45 minutes a game and hope that RJ Barrett keeps doing well. RJ Barrett's doing great. I, I like what he's done so far this, this year. Yeah. Turn over keep, new leaf. Keep it up, please. <laughs> Turn over new Maple Leaf. Okay. I'm done. We'll end there. Guys, thanks for staying with us and dealing with all this nonsense for an entire hour. We hope it's been informative, interesting. We've thrown a ton of more stats at you, trying to do a little bit more legitimizing of our stupid takes here. Hopefully they lead to more correct takes, to more correct heat map takes. And uh, we'll leave you with that. Peace out, everybody.
1: Remember, we're always right. No, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us on today's episode of Coast to Coast. Don't forget to hit us up on Instagram and Twitter at Coast to Coast NBA Podcast to hear your takes discussed right here on the show. And remember, take every shot and love every moment.